Welcome to the Tomination Time podcast. I normally stream diet and fitness on Twitch with my waifu Helen. These podcasts will be edited portions of the stream. We'll go over diet, fitness, motivation, ergonomics, and more. Don't forget to follow us on twitch.tv slash Tomination Time and leave your notifications on for when we go live. Today's subject will be about diet and exercise. Talking about motivation, staying on track. Um, a lot of people struggle with that. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today here with Dr. K. So Dr. K, as we're talking, I'll just, you'll be seeing this screen as we are flipping back and forth. So I'm going to introduce my guest really quick, Dr. K, also known as Al Alok, also uh, healthy gamer underscore GG. He has his own command, folks, exclamation mark, DRK. Go check him out. He is, in my opinion, the mental health resource that's about to blow up because he is a psychiatrist. He knows what he's doing. He's not afraid to dive deep. Uh, really fantastic insight. Not only does he know what he's talking about, but he is eloquent. He can teach it. He can explain it. And I think that is absolutely critical in this space. So with that being said, welcome, Dr. K. I want to start you off with the first question. <clears throat> the first question is... Thanks for having uh, me, Tom. Yeah, yeah, no problem, dude. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Seriously. Um, Dr. K, so so many people, they get a plan. They get an exercise plan, diet and fitness. They know what they should do. They start it, but they fail. They fall off after a couple of weeks, a couple of months. What's going on? Uh, well, so I think that's different depending on whether it's a couple of days, couple of weeks, or a couple of months. Right? So I think that the, the main thing to understand is that behavioral change and motivation has a lot of different things that go into it. Right? So like... If we think about a behavior, there are elements of habit, there are elements of motivation, there are elements of desire. So a lot of people get want to work out because they have desires to work out. Like, and we think that desire is the same thing as motivation. But I, let me ask you a question. So I think the first thing to understand is what's the relationship between desire and motivation? And if I say I want to get in shape, that sounds like motivation, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I would say that that's, that's a desire and that's actually not going to help as crazy as that sounds. So let me ask you something, Tom, when you, let's say when you, you, you work out well, right. You're mm -hmm, happy with yeah. what you're yeah. able to do. Yes. So like when you wake up in the morning, like usually work out in the morning before you go to work, right? Yeah, that's right. What do you want to do when you wake up in the morning? Honestly, I want to keep sleeping. I just want to like veg out and do nothing. Like, like yeah. unless I'm really well rested, I actually don't look forward to the workout when I first wake up. Beautiful, right? So if we think about that, what is your desire in that moment? In that moment is to keep sleeping or keep resting. Exactly. So the first thing we have to understand is that most people think I want to get in shape. Is that a desire or a motivation? But to me, that sounds like a desire. Absolutely. And so if you think about when you wake up and you want, you want to stay asleep, right? You don't want to get out of bed. So what mm -hmm. is motivation in that moment? If your desire is to get is to stay asleep. What is motivation? Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you tell me. This is good. So motivation is actually that which overcomes desire. It's not desire itself. You get that? Yeah. So now we sort of think about why do people fall off? It's because they, they are, the, the primary reason they're working out is actually based in desire. It's not based in motivation. Okay. So right. how does so someone, someone says, uh, go ahead. Yeah. 
But first of all, we got to understand this, right? So we have to understand like, what are the elements in your mind? And we have to be able to like tease apart the different pieces of our mind and understand which one is acting how, because then we can adjust the levers. But the biggest problem is that most people who want, they want to work out. I want to be in shape. I want to be sexy. I want to be fit. I want to, you know, have a, a picture like yours on my stream as well. Those are all things that I want. And so what happens is like the, when, when it comes to behavior, wants can fuel behaviors for a very brief period of time. Like I can get up one day and I can work out really hard and I can say, awesome, I'm going to get up the next day and I'm going to work out really hard. And then one week goes by and then the weekend rolls around and Monday morning it's gone. Right. My, my mm -hmm. ability to work out tanks and that's because it's actually based in desire and not based in motivation. So how do we get that motivation to be, be able to overcome that desire every day, Perfect. day in, day out? So let me ask you, Tom. So you feel like you want to sleep when you wake up, right? Like you want to stay in bed. Yeah. So how do you get out of bed? Uh, to me at this point, it's become routine. And one of the things I tell people is that, that temporary motivation, that extra boost of willpower we get because we saw this awesome stream and then we felt really motivated after because we had a plan. Uh, you, you get that temporary boost of motivation. And I, I tell people like, that's great. You get that small boost of willpower that will fade because our emotions go up and down all the time. Grab Perfect. onto it. Use it. Sure. Go ahead. But long term, we got to build that routine and make it feel normal. Once it feels normal, the effort goes down significantly, like brushing your teeth. Hopefully it doesn't Beautiful. feel difficult to brush our teeth. So once you get that routine in, it feels weird to not do it. Like something feels off if I don't work out. So that's Great. one of the things that helps me a lot is, is it becomes routine. So let's, let's just tunnel down into that, right? So we're saying that at the beginning, so what you're saying is that once you recruit habit, then a behavior becomes easier to sustain. And that's right. absolutely correct. That habit takes over after somewhere between like the two week and like six week mark in terms of your, your brain, right? So once your brain, so there's actually this, um, what's the, there's some kind of like, actually it's like a, a, a marijuana, like an, it's an endogenous like THC kind of compound that governs a lot of like habits. So once that sort of activates in your brain, behaviors become habitual and then it becomes relatively easy. That's fine. So then the question is like, what we're talking about is not what works for you because you've actually formed a habit. What we're right. talking about is in that period of initial inspiration and between that time, like between the first week and the fifth week, how do we sustain motivation, right? That's, That's the what we're talking yeah. about. Okay. Yep. So then let me ask you, Tom, when you started working out, what kept you going? Um, the big picture goals, right? I want to get bigger. I want to get stronger. I want to get healthier. I want my back problems to never come back. I want to look good for my spouse. I want to, uh, develop a good physique. I want the feel good feeling of I've accomplished something. Uh, I've, I've set out a goal and I accomplished it. Those, all of those things were very motivating to me to want to keep going. Yeah. So oddly enough, I don't think that those are desires. I think those are values, mm -hmm. right? So if we think about what's the difference between a desire and a value, I kind of think about it as, and we oftentimes like model the same because English is not a great language. And we, you yeah. say, I want to never have this back pain again. I want to look good for your wife. But I would argue that those are things that you care about, mm -hmm. right? When you wake up in the morning and you want to stay in bed, you don't really care about staying in bed. It's not something that like defines who you are in that moment. It's just a desire. 
Mm -hmm. So desires like our circumstantial change over time and are based on the sense organs. So if I'm walking down the street and I want a hamburger because I smell a hamburger like cooking on a grill, that's a desire. It comes from the sense organs, which in Sanskrit are called the Indriyas. <laughs> so in Sanskrit, they say that desires are actually, their foundation is in the sense organs and motivation comes from values. And where do your values come from? From, I would say, the, the frontal lobe, our, our master brain that really like thinks through and organizes our life. Okay. So I'm going to go a little bit more simplistic than that. And that I'm going to just say they come from within. Okay. Right. So like, let's like, so indriyas or sensory organs are about the outside world and values are about the inside world. So if I'm walking down the street and like, let me give you an example. So let's say I'm walking down the street and I see a dude who's super ripped. Right. Mm -hmm. And I look at that guy and I say, I want to be like that guy. I would say that that is a desire. And as long as that's what's motivating the person, it's going to fade. But what you're talking about is completely different, right? You're talking about having experienced back pain. You're talking about valuing a relationship with someone that you really care about. And so like, let's be clear, like even when it comes to the relationship, there are a lot of guys who want to get in shape for chicks. Yep. That's yep. not why you wanted to get into shape, right? <laughs> well, I mean, initially in my teenage years, yes. Later on as I got older, no. But like most most guys when they're young and they're single, like, yeah, I'm going to get some bitches. That's, that's a very common uh, motivation. Absolutely. And so, Tom, let me ask you this. It's a very common motivation. And what, and what happens to most of those guys? Um, I think they either, well, I think two things. Either they burn out or they, um, they find out it's not as fulfilling as they thought it would be. Yeah. I mean, how successful do you think those guys are at working out? You know, it's, it's surprising. I think it's actually a, a very like black and white split because some of them are very motivated and they stay motivated to keep going. And there's some that drop off right away. Yeah. So I would argue, I, I think if you take the people who are actually motivated and you ask them, why are you still going to the gym? I think they'll start talking in terms of value language, not desire language. I don't mm. think that the reason that they go is because they want chicks anymore. That may be the reason why they went originally. But then they go home and like some of the stuff that you were saying, like a feeling of accomplishment, right? Like yeah. I like the way that I feel when I work out. Like I feel like I've done something that day. I feel like I'm a, I'm a, you know, like I've accomplished something. Like that's a value to feel like worthwhile, to feel like a good person. That's not chicks. That's not ego. That's not like turning heads when you walk. Although for some people they value their ego. And so that can, that gets a little bit complicated because yeah. they actually do, you know, really value being like worshiped or idealized are respected. So, and that can motivate people. Yeah. But I think if we, if we really listen to like, like what Tom's answers are, it's because I don't want back pain anymore. It's because, you know, I want to look good for my wife. It's because I want to be healthy. It's because I get a sense of accomplishment. That's what, that's what sustains you in that week two to week six. Mm -hmm. So let's, let me ask you, like we, we talked about it from a guy's perspective, just to reinforce this idea. So people understand value language versus desire language. Can we do a similar analogy for females? We talked about guys, right? We want to get, get them, get them bitches. But what about, let's, 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 let's put ourselves in the shoes of like, a, a, like some female desire language versus value language. Yeah. So I think, um, I mean, I think it's, it's the same, right? Like, so you want to be like attractive to men or, or you know, presuming you're heterosexual, but. Like you yeah. want, you know, you want to look, so I'll, I'll give you an example. A lot of women want to look like someone else. A lot of men do that too. Yeah. But I think women 
are are oftentimes very comparing. Like it's weird. I mean, men are too. So I don't think it's like exclusive. But when I talk to women, I, I notice that when it comes to appearance, they oftentimes like are very actively comparing themselves themselves to other women. And I think like, so if I'm comparing myself to how another woman looks, where is the origin of that thought? Internal or external? Sounds external. Absolutely. Because it's based in the indrias or the sense organs, right? I see another mm -hmm. woman and I'm like, oh, I wish I had hair like hers or a body like hers <clears throat> or something like that. So I think that's all desire language. Or what happens is they, they'll look at a, I mean, this is like really awful, but they'll look at a magazine cover because a lot of like, you know, magazines that are oriented towards women are very popular because they maintain like a certain projection of what a woman should look like. Mm -hmm. And so when we think about, when I work with women who have like problems with body, body dysmorphia, which is like, you know, people who just fundamentally don't think that they're attractive, no matter how objectively attractive they are, what they're always doing is comparing themselves to other people. And so they look at magazines and they're like looking at other sensory stimuli and they're starting to like think about working out and being healthy based on that sensory input. So that's a desire, right? Whereas a woman who kind of says like, I mean, a lot of the you know women that I, my friends of mine and, and things like that, and some women in my practice who are not concerned about their appearance and work out a lot, they don't do it for a particular appearance. They do it because they care about something, right? So they say like, okay, like I want to train for a marathon because a marathon gives me a sense of accomplishment. Like I work a lot. My husband works a lot. Training for the marathon is like one of the only things that we can do that like actually gets us both doing something together like every week. So that has nothing to do with desires. It has everything to do with values. It's like about like, so training for a marathon is about spending time with my significant other in like a healthy and productive way. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Right, so my next question, this is very good. Very awesome. Uh, what about there, there are certain people who they're obese, they're morbidly obese. They've tried this. They've tried that diet and they, they feel powerless. They feel hopeless about it's never going to happen for them. What would you say to them? So I think what this person needs to do is understand that, like, actually, I would say to them that. So what are, what are they trying to do? What's their goal? They want to they want to lose the weight. They want to get in shape. They want to to get healthy. Okay. They know it's bad. They know what they're doing. So I, is, where they're I, at is I, bad. I tell them that you can. When you say getting in shape, what does that mean? Um, they would usually say uh, get in shape, start exercising, and they would say with vague terms. But what they're really saying is they want to burn some fat, build a bit of muscle. Okay, that too I would say is is vague. So I think like this is a problem where there. So I would say that you know if you feel hopeless, like that actually sounds reasonable to me. Because mm -hmm. I think that if you look at data, you've tried to do this six or seven times before and it hasn't worked. So logically, why would you think that, like, why would you think that this, the eighth time is different? Yeah. And then what do they say? Yeah. Well, they say, I'm, I'm hopeless. It's going to, I'm going to keep failing. Yeah. So what are we going to do about that? Dr. K, tell us, enlighten us. No, I mean, so like, this is hard, right, Tom? Because I think this is yeah. where you have to start with people like that. So the, right. I think the first th issue is like, if we think about uh, you're asking me a question and I'm not giving you an, an answer, you see that? Right. I mean, I have my answer. I have my answer about how I would approach it, but you know, this is, this show is about you. People hear my thoughts all the time. Yeah. 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 So, so uh, the reason I'm saying that is because I think the way to approach it depends on the person. So the first is to mm. like understand and challenge and actually not even challenge. The first is to meet the person where they are and to recognize that like, so what we try to do when someone expresses hopelessness 
is we try to tell them like, oh, you should have hope. Like this is okay, right? Like you can you can accomplish this. Like you can do it, man. Like have some faith in yourself. And what do you think? How do you think that person hears that? Uh, you know, I've heard your talks on this before, and it's very enlightening. Which is, you tell someone, you basically say, "Oh man, have some like, oh, it's hopeless. I can't do it." Like, yeah, yeah dude, no, no, you can do it. You're basically, you're wrong. You're invalidating their their past experiences and saying, "Like, let let me tell you, because you don't know shit about anything." Exactly. <clears throat> right. So when 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 you when someone like, so the first thing that you have to do is like meet them where they are, and you have to say like, "Okay, so you know, because people aren't stupid." Right. Like, so if an obese person feels hopeless, like chances are it's because they've tried, they probably struggle with like what they eat on a daily basis. And they've tried a lot of different diets and they've tried a lot of different exercising exercises and, and nothing has worked. And if we remember, I forget who it is, if it's like Einstein or Mark Twain, he said, like, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same <laughs> thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Yep. So the first thing to recognize is that there isn't something wrong with this person, that actually yeah. the person is right. And that they have every reason to feel hopeless. But the cool mm. thing is that if we can start there, then we can start to like, you meet them where they are. And then you start asking the question, okay, so like, what are you going to do about it? Are you just, do you want to be this way for the rest of your life? And then they're kind of like, well, no, I don't. And I was like, okay, so what can you do? Like, okay, you're never going to be able to get into shape. You're never going to have washboard ads. Fine. What can you do? Like, what can you do? You've tried this diet. You can't stick with a diet for any amount of time. So that's fine. So I think like, you know, you said that, that you can't stick for a diet more than a month. Can you stick with a diet for a day? Can you do it today? All you have to do it is today, right? So when I work with people who have addiction problems, I'll try to give you guys kind of an analogy. So if we think about it, like, you know, someone comes in and says like, I don't think I can do it. I can't be sober. Like they look at other, they go to an AA meeting and say like, you know, these people are like, this guy got his like 30 year coin or whatever, his chip. And, and he's like, I don't think I can, I can be sober for 30 years. Like I've tried to be sober. I've done it for a month. I've done it for a year. I've done it for two years and I just can't do it. I can't do 30 years. And I come back with them and I say, I don't say, yeah, man, sure. You can believe in yourself. And I say, no, you can't, you can't, I agree with you. You can't be sober for 30 years. It's impossible to be sober for 30 years. Like, do you get that? Like you can't wake up and be sober for 30 years. All you can be sober for is how long, Tom? Uh, for me, I'm I'm not sober right now. So, <laughs> I mean, how I'm, how long do you think you can be sober for? Like, oh, it's me kind of personally, like if I if I really tried, okay, so if I seriously tried to avoid alcohol as long as I could, I'd probably give up less than a year because like a, a wedding would come along, and like I want to celebrate Incorrect. someone. You can be sober for one day. You can be sober for one moment, and you can be sober for one drink. That's all you can do. Like in the moment, the most you can do is what you can do in the moment. And like, let's say you avoid a drink today. When tomorrow rolls around, when are you avoiding the drink? In the past, the present, or the future? The, the present then. Absolutely. And then tomorrow, how long can you avoid a drink for? A day, right? Absolutely. I see. Right? So if we think about it, like the person who's obese and says, I can't lose 200 pounds, I'd say, absolutely, you cannot lose 200 pounds. Because literally, like Tom, you cannot lose 200 pounds. It's impossible. I, I would be you really can, dead in my case. Well, well yeah. Be like <laughs> negative 50 or <laughs> yeah. but, you, you know, so like it's impossible to lose even 10 pounds. Like the most you can mm -hmm. do is like burn like maybe a third of a pound in a given yeah. workout. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's, 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 yeah, that's reasonably aggressive. Yeah. And oh, okay, so even less, but like 
my point here is that when I'm working with people who feel hopeless about the future, I think their problem is that they're focusing in the future instead of focusing in the present. Like, don't mm. worry about losing 200 pounds because you literally cannot lose 200 pounds. It's kind of like another analogy that I use is, so Tom, how do you climb Mount Everest? One step at a time. And literally, like, this is important, right? Like, people, like, we joke about that, and we're like, yeah, <laughs> one step at a time. That's yeah. absolutely the right answer. That's the answer I'm looking for. And then people are like, <laughs> but that's not the way they live their lives, right? Because when you think about someone who's obese, how are they trying to climb Mount Everest? Mm. They're trying to get all the way to the top. Like, that's what they're looking at. And if, if I stick you at the bottom of Mount Everest, and I point up into, the, like, higher than the planes fly, and I say, Tom, climb that high, what are you going to say? Say I would say you're nuts. Yeah, absolutely. Right. You can't. Right. And the, the thing is, it's not that you're not motivated. It's that you're right. You can't climb Mount Everest. Like you can't do it. Like it's impossible. But you can put one foot in front of the other. That mm. you can do. And so like yeah. something else to think about is like, what is the most important step you can take, Tom? Uh, the first Sorry step? for putting you on the spot. Yeah, Incorrect. yeah the first step. Okay, wrong, 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 wrong. So, so in, a, in a weird way, so I think that's a beautiful answer, but I would argue that the most important step you can take, because where do your people trip up? The people that come to your channel, Tom, where do they trip up? Do they trip up with the first step? Um, no, usually, well, it depends each person, but this type of person we're talking about, no, it's like day five, week five, that's where they trip up. So I, beautiful, right? So I think, sure, the first step is the most important, but I would argue actually the most important step is the next step. Not the first one, the next one. And sometimes the next one happens to be the first one. But mm. the most important step you can take is the next one, right? So for this person who's hopeless and obese, and they're trying to lose 200 pounds, they can't lose 200 pounds. But you can tell them like, okay, like, what can you do today? You know, if you want to try something like intermittent fasting or whatever, like, okay, don't mm. try to like, don't come like people's like, because this is what happens, right? Is they commit. They commit. Mm. They're like, I'm motivated. I'm like committed to working for, I'm going to commit to this diet. And they feel all that motivation in that moment. And then it just fizzles out like a week later. So commitments don't mean anything. All that means like the only important thing is like action and the next action and action in the moment, because literally the only time that exists. So when you commit to something for a year, you can't do that. Like the only time that actually exists is now. The only time that action can take place, the only time that you can actually do something is now. So let me ask you this. So let me just clarify one thing. We're talking about um, the, sorry, I can hear myself with the echo. Do you have headphones by any chance? I don't, but I'm going to turn this down. Okay. I'll or just, it. yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, so basically I just want to clarify that we're talking about that everything you just said really applies more to the people who struggle with long-term goals. And if there was someone who actually enjoys long-term goal planning and is working for them and they enjoy kind of thinking about all the steps and they're being successful, that stuff doesn't really apply for them as much, right? We're talking about the people who struggle, yes. who are feeling hopeless. They have failed trying to look towards the peak of Mount Everest and saying like, this is impossible. I've tried it so many times, never made it there. Okay, looks look in the present, right? Because I want to clarify because some of my audience... They're, they may, may just be tuning in. They may be hearing parts of this, but we're being very specific here about the people. Because as you guys can see down below and read down below, we're talking about the people who have failed, how they keep continue to fail. How can we get them on track? And so that's, that was a beautiful answer. Thank you, uh, Dr. Yeah, K. Sure. Now, the final thing I want to talk about 
and then we'll open up uh we'll open up some brief Q&A. We might take a call. Um Fitness Jim is the only one I think who is interested. So I'm gonna send you a friend request. Please accept that. Uh, anyone else who's interested, go into hat in the Discord, exclamation mark Discord, go to the hashtag subscribers channel. It's only for subscribers. Uh type out a short bio about what you would want to talk to Dr. K about. If it's a good fit, we'll bring you on as a call. So the last question I want to ask you is um therapy. When should someone seek therapy? What kind of therapy should they look for? Like I've heard about cognitive behavioral therapy, stuff like that. And in the context of diet and fitness, so they they feel like they're failing a lot at sticking to a diet. They feel like they're failing a lot for fitness. They may struggle with in eating, binge eating, stuff like that. So, what are your thoughts? Uh, so my thought is that most people should be in therapy. To be honest. So like, and, and the reason I, and I may not quite answer your question, I'll try to get around to like a more direct answer. But if you look at healthcare expenditure in the United States, so I'm assuming that I, I sort of know statistics in the US because that's where I am. So a couple of years ago, mental health surpassed cardiovascular disease and cancer is the most expensive like disease group in the United States. And I think what we're realizing is like people stop worrying about like death and nutrition the the stresses that we're under nowadays are primarily mental. They're not physical anymore. Like we don't worry about like when you wake up, what causes you distress and damage is things like stress about your job, stress about your relationships, stress about your appearance. It's not like it's not like cholera or malaria. Yeah, I'm not worried like about nutrition. tuberculosis or, yeah, or, or tuberculosis so it's, it's, it's or polio killing me. Things. Yeah, right. So there's certainly lifestyle diseases. So if we're talking about people who are obese, like. Yeah, like they're going to have problems with their blood sugar and joints and things like that. So the first answer is like, you know, I kind of think and I, I mean, most of the therapy that I do is with people that are like not really having a psychiatric diagnosis. So a lot of times people will come in with something like anxiety, but we usually take care of that pretty quick, like within like three months. And then we really start to think a little bit about like motivation, happiness, turning like manifesting your intentions. So like that you want to do all these things in life and that stuff gets in the way. And I'm talking about stuff like someone who says, like, you know, I've always wanted to write a sci-fi TV show. And they're they're like a they're like an engineer or they're like a programmer for Google, for example. And like the question is like, why can't you do that? And so what we work on is fulfillment and motivation and, and these kinds of issues. So my short answer is I think actually most people would benefit from therapy. So for example, part of psychiatric training is like going to your own therapy. And I think it's really helpful. Hmm. So um, but to answer your question, like more diligently, like when should someone, when is something related to their fitness and health? Um, you know, when can it benefit from therapy? I also think most of the time. So if someone does have, but I'd say the first thing is that if you have like a serious problem and by that it's hard to recognize, but if you really do like binge eat a lot, um, if you ever like, if you, if you experience a lot of shame around your appearance, like if you find yourself beating yourself up for the things that you do or the way that you look, then I think therapy can be very helpful because what's happening is like, if you're judging yourself, like if you look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, man, that guy is a complete piece of shit, then I really think you should think about seeing a therapist because mm -hmm. the problem is that that thought is going to have like, what do you think that thought has in terms of affecting motivation? Oh, I would say it just destroys it. Absolutely. Right. So then that thought has to be dealt with. Like we can talk as much as we want to about behavior planning and and stuff like that. But if you've got like this gigantic weight on your back of like a lack of self-confidence and feeling like you're a piece of shit, then 
that you should get some help around, right? Like, and and if you can do that, the cool thing is, is you start to recognize that you can have shortcomings without it being relating to your value as a human being. And I'd say that's like a really key component, which is that some people, I mean, everyone makes mistakes, but some people feel like their mistakes make them like a subpar human being, right? Like most people are out of shape. Like not, most people are not in shape, but some people, when they feel out of shape, they think that they're like a bad person or that they're a less worthwhile person. And if you're struggling with those kinds of thoughts, I definitely think you should get therapy. The so other thing the to think- Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I was say on the flip side, what kinds of people are probably fine and don't need therapy for help on their diet and fitness stuff? Um, so I'd say that like, you know, if, if you have like relatively high self-worth or like there are a couple of other like red flags that you can think about, like I, the other thing I was going to say is that, you know, if you meet like criteria for an eating disorder. So, and this can be tricky because like, if you're, if you're like, if your BMI is like super low or, uh, or super low, or if you're engaging in like on un, really unhealthy eating behaviors, like you're engaging in purging or like using diet, like, um, like laxatives or things like that. Mm. If you're really going to extreme methods to maintain a particular weight or appearance, um, I'd say, and this is tricky because, you know, I've worked with some people who have body dysmorphia who are actually bodybuilders and it can be like really hard yeah. that like they look at themselves and they think they're ugly, even though they're 10 times more ripped and bigger than you are. And like, they still just don't see a problem. So sometimes the tricky thing is that sometimes people need help without recognizing that they need help. Like they think what they think is completely normal. Um, and that can be tough, but yeah. I'd say that, you know, if you're having you know, if you're doing okay and, and you're kind of trying at it and you're not quite getting the results that you want to, but you're able to make progress, then I think you probably don't need to see like a, you know, a mental health professional. Um, but sometimes, you know, you can, even something like CBT can help a lot in terms of, because CBT helps you understand your behaviors. So like understanding, like if you have some thoughts, oh, here's a good, I mean, here's, an example of, I guess, people who sh maybe should go. So if you have some particular thoughts that keep you away from the gym, so mm. if you go to the gym and you feel like anxious going because people are going to be judging you, if you go to the gym and you, you know, you kind of feel embarrassed by going because you're overweight or something like that, like oddly enough, you know, I think those people can benefit from a therapist, but I would, I would imagine that most people who start going to the gym, like I know when I started going to the gym, I used to feel that way. So I think it's a relatively natural feeling. The thing about therapy is that you can get a professional to help you overcome that feeling in a more kind of uh, like in a faster and sort of more permanent way than maybe you can do on your own. Yeah. And, you know, uh, touching on that note really quick, um, uh, we're going to open this up now to uh, some quick Q&A. If you have any questions, get them in now. We're going to try to rapid fire through these. How much more time do we have before you have to go? Uh, 20 minutes. 20 minutes? Okay. So we'll take a couple of questions. I'm going to hand select them, but just send them into the bot now. And then uh, we're going to bring Fitness Jim in here for a quick uh, call. Again, Dr. K, if you want to find him, Dr. K is Healthy Gamer GG. It's so hard to point on here. You can see on the picture to the side. Um, I'll just say, though, for people who have that gym anxiety, one of the first steps I, I tell them to like, just try this out. Like, go to the gym. And like you're not even going to work out. Like if you're going to do any kind of workout or physical performance, you're just going to walk. Like let's just say something, something really simple. You're just going to walk on a treadmill. But I encourage them, go there to people watch during rush hour. And they just get some water, kind of stay on the side, pretend like, pretend like you're on your phone. 
and just watch and notice how almost nobody is looking at you. And especially the, 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 the jacked dudes in the corner that are so uh, intimidating, right? They're probably the most physically intimidating people. If you watch them carefully, in between sets, they're staring at their phone, they're staring at the screen or staring at the ground, or they're checking out themselves in the mirror. And like they really don't care about you. And, and I, I try to give people just, just, just people watch. 10 minutes like let's take that physical performance aspect out of the picture because like the analogy i give is like imagine you're gonna go to a salsa dance club like you're gonna go watch you have dinner there and you're gonna watch this performance that sounds fun but what if you're terrible at salsa dance and you're actually gonna go to this club and you're going to perform for the first time in front of everybody because that's what i think a lot of people feel where they're gonna go to the gym they're gonna do this physical performance in front of everybody have no idea what they're doing and that's just terrifying but let's take that out you're not gonna no physical performance just just walk just walk and then people watch. Like you don't have to do much. That's a success if you can do that. That's one of the things I tell people anyway. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I think it's great, man. I, I, I think um, some people may still have resistance to that, but I think it's a brilliant idea because I think sort of showing people like have because people assume that other people are going to be watching them and sort of giving them direct contrary evidence that the super jack dudes are like, so, I mean, not self-absorbed, but there's just, you know, they're there for themselves. And or if they're narcissistic, they're going to be checking themselves out in the mirror. And they really couldn't give two shits about you. I think it's <laughs> yeah. brilliant. Uh, I, the interesting thing is, I wonder if, I mean, so so if you tell people do that, I, I wonder if what someone would say is like, but then like I'm going to the gym and I'm not actually working out. So like I may feel like I'm sticking out even more and it could be hard because mm. you're telling them, to, you know, you're saying like, okay. If you go to a salsa, uh, if you're watching a salsa club, like if you're watching a salsa dance and you're at a club and you're having dinner, most of the other people there are spectators, so you don't feel left out. Whereas if you're the one dude at the gym, and I think you'd kind of address this subtly and beautifully when you kind of say, grab some water and pretend like you're on your phone because that's like fitting in. Yeah. But I can imagine some people would feel anxious because they're going to the gym and they feel like they're the only ones that are not working out. And that yeah. can reinforce the feeling that they're an outsider. Mm hmm Right. So I'm, I'm just curious about if that comes up for people that you kind of coach. Well, that's why I, I try to keep it brief with like, you know, five minutes of walking and then like five minutes of, of people watching. And, and from the ones who have done it, because I tell them like you just keep it short, like you get in and out pretty fast. You don't have to be there for, for hours. But um, the ones who have done it, they usually get bored. Uh They usually get <laughs> bored just being on their phone and like watching people. They, they actually get over it pretty fast. And then fast. they just start working out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I tell them, and I, I tell them, I give them backup options. Like, if you want to keep walking, if you want to just get on the bike, just go, go play. This is not a serious workout that you're, you're planning and performing. Go have fun. I usually tell them two things for gym anxiety. One is the rush hour thing and, and, and people watch. The second thing is go when it's empty on like a Saturday morning and it's dead and there's like five people in the gym total. Have your plan in front of you, but don't treat it seriously. Just treat it as like you're going to, observe and play and try to understand this workout and just go go play with the machines go look at the machines and go watch a youtube video on it and just take it very casually so tom there are a couple things that i just want to jump it like zero yeah. in on so i think that's beautiful because i think that really speaks to the principles that we've been talking about so the first thing is you're meeting them where they are right when someone says i go to the gym and i feel embarrassed you're not saying you shouldn't feel that embarrassed man like you're awesome. Yeah. Like no one's watching you. You're not yeah. telling them you're not invalidating them. You're actually saying, go and check it out for yourself. <laughs> right? Like, and here's some yeah. ways that if you feel like an outsider, like it's completely fine to feel like an outsider, man, don't worry about it. I'm with you. I'm going to meet you there. 
The other thing that you're also telling them to do when you tell them to play with the, uh, you, you know, when you're telling them to just play with the machines is you're basically telling them, don't try to climb Mount Everest. Just mm. put on your hiking boots and like take a couple of steps and just check out the hiking boots. Like forget about climbing Mount Everest. Yeah. Just put on your gear and like walk around and figure out like how to take a step up and a step down and just see if you like it or if you don't like it. And and it's amazing because that's exactly you're kind of telling them to not worry about the future, not worry about an outcome, not worry about losing weight. You're not using any of that language. Yeah. You're telling them to just be where they are and just like explore, like just go play around. So yeah. play is I love the word play because play can only happen in the present. And that's something that people instinctively understand. Mm. Because you never yeah. like have an outcome for play. You're not trying to accomplish <laughs> anything. You're just being there and being in the moment. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to take two questions only. Um, the first one is from Lord Mojo. He says, how do you dissociate food from being a reward? For example, dessert as a reward if you eat well for a period of time. Why do you want to dissociate food as a reward? That's a good question. Lord Mojo, feel free to type it out. I'm going to just fill it in for him and just take a guess. Uh, people feel people feel like, oh, I can't reward my – if I reward myself, I'm going to maybe eat too much. Or if I reward myself, maybe I'm creating the wrong motivation here and I shouldn't need a reward. Maybe maybe he's thinking one of those two. What do you think? So I, I think the problem here is that like when you reward yourself, like your motive – like I think that's based on restriction – and like, I think that restriction and motivation are not aligned. So like restriction creates tension with who you are, right? Does that make sense? So like, yes. like, I think the way that you work out. So if we look at Tom, like the reason that Tom works out, like let's, let's go back to Tom's answer. Tom, the reason Tom is able to successfully work out, he's not talking about restricting shit, right? That's true. Yeah. Like when we ask Tom, like, why do you work out? It has nothing to do with restriction. I think the people who try to restrict their diets inevitably fail. It's the people who choose to eat a certain way. Like this is a really important subtlety, but really it's, it's important that you understand this. There's a difference between choosing a particular diet because it, it is in, in aligned with like your values and restricting yourself for something because it's not because you want to attain a certain ideal. So like when people talk to, um, does that, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. Keep going. So like, I'll, I'll give you guys just one last example. So, you know, I, I mean, I, I spent a lot of time training to become a monk and I do a lot of like spiritual stuff. Like I, I teach meditation and, you know, I go to like conferences and I give talks and things like that. So like a lot of times I meet people who are like trying to be spiritual. And the funny thing is that what they try to do is they try to like walk the walk, even though it's not authentic for them. So they, they look at other people who are like free from alcohol and stuff like that. And they, they kind of say like, okay, you know, since I want to be a pure spiritual person, I have to give up alcohol and cigarettes and stuff like that. And they try to give it up and it's a restriction for them. And then they inevitably fail. So what works for people, what people don't understand is that the reason that a spiritual person, it's not like restricting the thing that makes you spiritually advanced. As you become spiritually advanced, you start giving up the things that are bad for you. So one day I was working with someone who's been smoking for like two decades and like on and off and trying to struggle with it. And she'd gone through like a relatively intense spiritual time and was hiking in Patagonia. And then like she came back from that trip and she realized like she had given up smoking. And what she realized is like when I smoke, like that's my breath. And as I was like climbing in the mountains of Patagonia, like I realized I couldn't breathe. And then I realized that it's not like I shouldn't 
like it's not that she was giving up smoking. It's that she chose her breath. And that in that moment, breath became the most important thing to her. And she like realized, oh, whenever I smoke, I'm actually destroying this part of myself. And then then it wasn't restricting. She wasn't trying to restrain her behaviors. It was actually like something that mattered to her. Right. So when we think about Tom, like, why is he able to eat his diet and work out on a regular basis? He's not forcing himself to get out of bed. Like, sure, there's a little bit of that. But Tom is like motivated intrinsically. It comes from within. And so my first question is like, if you're, you know, how do you dissociate food from being a reward? I don't, I don't think you should. I think that so one says, of the best things you can do is reward yourself. So I, one of his follow-ups is, I associate dessert with positive emotions and typically overconsume it. Ah, that's different. Mm. Okay. So then the question becomes, so for some people, the way that they get those positive emotions is through food. So like I talk a lot about video game addiction. And I think like the reason that substances and video games and foods are addictive is because that's the only way that we know how to like guarantee that feeling. So mm. it becomes our go-to. So I play video games to decompress. I think they're a wonderful way to decompress and manage stress. But when that becomes the only tool in my tool belt, then it's an addiction. When I don't have other options like going for a hike or like cooking a meal or like, like I love grocery shopping. So I like love going to like grocery stores all over the Boston area and finding really high quality produce and like making something delicious out of it. I find that to be really like gratifying. But if none of that is on the table, then I'm going to like default to video games and then I become an addict. So my, my answer to, to IRD Mojo or LRD Mojo would Lord be like, Mojo. what are the other things in your life that give you those feelings? And my guess would be the answer is not much. And if you want to dissociate food from being the reward, you have to have other things that are associated with the reward. And then food is not like the necessary thing that gives you that reward. Very good. Awesome. Yep, that, that was perfect. Um, we're going to move. How much time do we have left? Like 10 minutes. Okay. Uh, Fitness Jim, I'm going to bring you into this call. Uh, Fitness Jim, your question was uh, the one that was next about casual sex. I'll just ask it really quickly. But Wizwell and Simon RR, for your questions, those are really good questions, but I recommend going to his channel, exclamation mark DRK. Uh, he has times where he goes live, and that might be a good time to uh, talk to him about that. Now, Fitness Jim's question um, I think this is just a clarification question, but um, let me create a new call here really quick. And um, Fitness Jim, I think you'll have time to pick one, either the, the casual sex one or the uh, the girlfriend one. So we're going to bring him in. Let me uh, create a new call. Just have everybody join this one. Um, yeah. We video hello, turn hello, on hello. camera. Can we get cameras for uh, Dr. K, please? Yep. And then... Um, Fitness Jim, you've got 10 minutes. Try to keep it concise and let's go. Yeah, sure. Okay. So I am trying to get my girlfriend in shape and we will be moving in so together soon. So I'm wondering the best methods to go about that. Now she's, she's never really like worked out in her life. She does like, you know, 20 pushups a day or 20 squats a day, but you know, not really working out. Um, she's also hasn't really eaten well in her life like not too much she just basically like ate what her parents ate so i'm just trying to figure out the best method to actually get her to build the habits and things like that yeah so i think it starts with a so actually the first thing to start with is to understand that you can't do that 
right? Like as one human being, and I see this a lot in terms of relationships, like what as one human being, you cannot cause another human being to change. You with me there? Yeah. So the first thing to understand is that like you're asking for something that is impossible. What if I told you I've done this over and over and like she's changed for me like constantly? Then what then why are you asking the question if she's changed? Well, I mean like so essentially she hasn't started working out like fully because she doesn't want to go to the gym without me and she wants to, you know, actually like learn with me because I kind of know what I'm doing. So um I'm just I feel like this may be a bit more difficult than the other things because, you know, well, yeah. So, so, so now fitness gym, I'm, so this is the annoying thing about asking me a question is sometimes I'm not going to give you the answer that you want because I think it (laughs) runs a little bit deeper. Right. So when I say like, you understand that you can't change another human being, I'm hearing you say yes, but I can. That's what you're saying, right? Like you understand in theory what I'm saying, but you don't actually believe me. It, it's so mm-hmm. fitness gym. Are you saying that you've had success before in the past with this? So you think you could make this happen again, right? But you're struggling yeah. with it, right? So there's a bit of a discrepancy there. You've you've been successful in, in some some behavior changes for her, but now it's this is different and this is tricky. And in Dr. K saying it's just you can't really do that. What say you? <laughs> um now we're getting somewhere yeah yeah i guess so 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 jim um, let's be specific really quick are, are we talking about the dietary changes or the workout changes like what what are you zeroing in on yeah mostly the dietary changes because i don't expect her to like because i count out all my calories like i I do that for every single day even when i have my cheat meals like i never go off that i don't expect her to do that at least not initially so i'm, ta- she, I'm talking about she, actually like, whoa, 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 whoa stop stop does, stop for on. a second hold, does she stop. think okay sorry go ahead sorry so i don't expect that well not initially so let's just understand let's call it what it is right so you have goals that you've created in your mind for her yeah and your question to me is, how do I get another human being to do what I want them to do? Yep. Okay. So my answer is, you can't get another human being to do what you want them to do. What do you say to that? Um, I think coercion is a thing. Okay, so um, <laughs> I, I, I feel like there are methods to, do, to actually get people to do what you want. But, yeah, um, but, so, but will yeah. it last? Will it last? No, Tom? Sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got to ask you to step out for a second, buddy. So like the the thing is like so yeah, it'll last, right? But so this tells me fitness gym. So so like I think it sounds like you're in a you're in a relationship that has a very um uneven power dynamic. Oh, certainly. Yeah. Sure. I admit that. Yeah. So like this is where you know, so I think that this is kind of like this is a whole different thing because I don't doubt like, so you can coerce other people into doing things. I think then the question becomes, is that the kind of relationship that you want? And for some people, the answer is yes. Like, so Um, do you want a partner or do you want someone who's like second fiddle to your primary? Now we're getting philosophy and I don't believe partnerships work in a relationship because naturally like 
<laughs> you have a 50-50 vote that doesn't work if you two disagree. So naturally, there's always going to be someone who's dominant over and someone who's a bit more submissive, right? That's how that's how relationships generally work. Yeah, so I I get where you're coming from, but so I think now we have kind of like like now I know this is not really where you wanted things to go, but um so I I think we sort of get to a fundamental philosophical difference, which is that I believe that as a human being, so I I tend to be like I te I test pretty highly on the sociopathy scale. So I tend to know how to manipulate people and get people to like me and things like that. It makes me a good psychiatrist. It's like most psychiatrists test pretty highly. So I understand where you're coming from. But I think that if you really want her to be on board and to be inspired to make the changes that you want to, you're not adopting the right strategy to do that. I agree that you can coerce her, but you don't need my help in doing that. Like, you are, like you've already coerced her into doing all kinds of shit. Yeah, sure. So, so what would be the best method to like actually like get her to do the things that she uh, she wants to do? I, I guess that's where you're going. I listened to your interview with uh, Tom. So yeah. So I mean, I think the first question is we got to take a step back. So do you want her to do the things that she wants to do, or do you want her to do the things that you want her to do? I would like to lightly nudge her <laughs> towards <laughs> the things that I think would be best. That's fine. So in a relationship, you know, we can encourage our partners to do what we want them to do. But I'm asking you when it comes down to it, do you want to do you want to sort of make the choice for her and and sort of have her fall into line because you know better or do you want to support her in making her own decision? So it's not so much a conflict of like what I want versus what she wants. She's naturally like pretty a pretty submissive person. You've probably like dealt with people like this in your therapy. Um, so she kind of just follows what I want anyway. So yeah, people so, are talking about me being like manipul manipulative in uh, chat and everything. It's not so much that. It's more so she naturally like follows people. So I I can't see chat, but I would tell chat that they should not be judgmental about this situation. Because yeah. Uh like so i was typing it out just guys... now but yeah i'll tell people like called out like he's he has good intentions he's he's being open and honest and vulnerable right now yeah so tough. so i think i think like so like that that's why i said like i'm telling chat i'm a fucking sociopath like that's how i work right so that's i mean i'm Are trying to say that like you you guys should not draw value judgment between fitness gym and myself i i think uh, sometimes it can be so people have to grow in different ways and there are a lot of people who are very good at so, you know, Fitness Jim was saying, like, I'm sure you deal with a lot of submissive people in therapy. It's actually quite the opposite. So I, I deal with, like, entrepreneurs and stuff who are very, very, like, about controlling other human beings. And and that's, like, I think that that sort of thing leads to a lot of success and can lead to a lot of positivity. But I think the question here is actually not about Fitness Jim and him interacting with his his girlfriend or, or wife or whatever. I think the question is, like, for Fitness Jim, for him to grow, I think what he needs to really think about is like, do you want to give up the reins in this relationship? So you're a domineering personality. She's a submissive personality. I also agree with you that like relationships that are truly 50-50 usually don't work well. Like usually you have one person who has the pants in the relationship and that's kind of a natural power dynamic. And I agree with that. That Like that's the, my experience in my relationship. And at the same time, just because that's a natural tendency, there's a difference between a natural tendency for a power dynamic to exist and for you to sort of recognize and get on board with sort of like coercion as your general strategy and goal. Does that make sense? 
yeah sure like ultimately so, i do want to do like what's best for her um but yeah I think, so here's like, the question people are who who makes the choice in what's best for her do you make that choice or do you does she make that choice well i don't know i would argue i probably know better than she does um just because she she's not very like she doesn't know what she wants, so it's better to have a direction than have no direction at all and just mindlessly wander constantly in life. Yeah, so let me ask you this. Why don't you think she has direction in life? Uh, this is a constant contention in a relationship. Like, she doesn't know what she wants to do with her career. Um, she just, like, she can't make decisions when it comes to, like, where to eat at a restaurant. So. Yeah, so I'm going to have to get going in about five minutes. But, uh, Jim, let me ask you this. So how does someone develop a sense of figuring out what they want to do? Um, they experiment. Like some yeah. people like me, I pretty much knew what I wanted to do. Like from the time I was like 14 or at okay. least had like some direction. So when you say they experiment, does she experiment much? No. Why not? She's an anxious person, so she doesn't like to, you know, go into new new scenarios. Yeah, so I, I would give you another reason, which is that she doesn't have to because you're around making the decisions. Sure. Right, so I think part of the reason that she continues to be submissive is because she feels very anxious, and I don't I don't think this is, like, manipulative or anything like that. I think you see this. You see relationships where one person gravitates towards another person because one person like th she has trust and faith in you and that you love her. And it sounds like, you know, I have no reason to believe that you're, you know, I think I'm sort of making you out to be an asshole. I don't think you're an asshole, but like, yeah. I think she's recognized that she can trust you and that it's not going to go bad if she puts her trust and faith in you and that you're going to help her along, which is awesome. Like that's why a lot of people, you know, get into relationships with people who are very sure. So you see this sort of like, you know, person who's very sure and person who's very submissive and they kind of like get together. And so it, it sort of does lead to a lot of harmony. But I, I would actually encourage you to think a little bit about like, you know, at some point in life, I don't know how long you guys have been together, but if a lot of times I think at the end of the day, the most successful and fulfilling marriages involve like a partnership. And part of the reason that I think she doesn't exercise her own will is because your will it's not that you're domineering it's just that you sort of take the issue off of the table because she's like asking you to and so in a crazy way i think what you should really experiment with is letting her tolerate that anxiety and sort of making her decisions for herself and see how you feel about her making the wrong decision and does it bend you out of shape when you know that she's going to make a mistake so I almost think about this like a little bit like more like a parent-child relationship where, and this happens a lot all the time in romantic relationships and it sometimes happens, I mean, weird things happen, but um, where like, I, I would think about you as like an overprotective parent, right? Where like you, you like anytime like she has trouble making a decision, you step in and you make the decision for her. And what's going to happen is you're going to end up with like a 25 year old who's like not functional. And so for the sake of your long-term relationship, I would really consider examining this dynamic. And I think at the end of the day, if you're good at coercing her into doing things, like working out is maybe tougher, but you'll figure out a way. Like, you'll do it. I'm not worried about that. Okay, yeah. Well, right now she is a 25-year-old who has no direction. So. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I'd also wonder, like, how protective were her parents?
Oh, very, yeah. Um, well, there a, we a go. Basic like Asian household, like I'm sure you know what that's. Like. Yeah, absolutely, right. So then, so then she had a domineering and protecting figure that 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 protected her from making decisions and taking chances in life. And when she left the house, she had to find someone who would fill that role. And look at who she found. Yep. And you're you're happy to play that role. Hell yeah. Who is the super submissive person between y- your parents? Uh, my dad. There we go. Right? So you learned how to run a successful relationship as a domineering person because you saw it in your household. And I'd guess that you, things in your household worked out, right? Yeah, I see no other way. You even admitted yeah. that. that yeah, beautiful. So there work. we have it. He's good, guys. He's very good. <laughs> right? So the question is, do you want to have... Now we come to the real question, and then I'm going to go, which is, do you want to have a relationship like your parents had? Uh, Right now, yeah. I think so, yeah. Okay. Okay. So then that's fine. Right? Like, if you look at your relationship, it, did you ever feel like your dad should have stood up for himself? Well, yeah, for for his individual interest, but not necessarily the relationship's interest, right? Like that ne- yeah. wouldn't necessarily lead to a better relationship, but may lead to better outcomes. Right. So, so then the question now we can go to one more layer, and I know I keep on saying I'm going to leave, but this is too good to pass up. So <laughs> okay. now the question becomes like, one day you're going to have kids, and if your kids see your relationship, are you okay with your daughter ending up like your dad? And being in a domineering relationship with a controlling man. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing either. So I'm asking you, are you okay with it? Yeah, I don't mind. Yeah, I'm okay okay with it. Yeah. So then then I think it's fine, right? So I'd say that, like, given everything that you've said, so you've seen the value. And, like, I think this is where we have to be a little bit careful because there's a Western bias that independence is greater than interdependence or codependence. And I don't agree with that bias. that's clearly not true. No, that's stupid. Yeah. I, I, I understand where you're coming from. So like I, yeah. I come from an Indian culture where the family is actually more important than the individual. And I think that harmony, like part of the reason, like when people, you know, pursue their individual interests over their family's interests, like that actually screws over a lot of lives. So like, I think we have to be really careful about judging fitness gym for holding the views that he holds. And I actually yeah. really commend you for being honest. So I, the one thing that I tell you is that I, I think that, I do think that exercising, like, because at the end of the day, you know, I do believe that you should really reconsider how much independence your partner has, because there may come a time, like right now, you're the only decision-making person. And so you could have like two people that have the capability of making decisions. One of you still may be in the lead, but as someone who's in a relationship who like with my own wife, like, I think I tend to be a little bit more domineering than she is. And at the same time, I have benefited from her like ability to take the reins because sometimes we tackle things that are like more than I can handle. And we're actually, I think having like two people who are like able to handle problems and make decisions while that sometimes absolutely does create conflict and fights. I think at our lowest points, it's way better to have like two people working together who are both like independent and intelligent and able to tolerate difficulty and uncertainty than having it all on my shoulders. So just yeah. something to think about. Yeah, theoretically, um, especially like in a long-term marriage, there could come yeah. a point where it would become too much. There's the resistance, theoretically.
<laughs> well, yeah, right. I'm not, I'm that's, not, that's the that's the I can't argue with what you're saying because it's logically correct, but I don't think that's actually going to happen. That's what that means, which is fine. Well, yeah, I'm not going to take it as gospel. You're a smart guy, but I don't agree with you know everything. Yeah, yeah, I, I get you, and that's good. Yeah, because right? because you know what you are is you're not submissive. Fitness, <laughs> you're not going to take what I'm saying like that. Definitely not. No. Yeah, good for so, you, man. Okay. So, uh, thank you, Jim, for that call. We're going to, uh, Thanks, uh Jim, if you don't mind dropping off, thank you for being honest. And I'm, I'm actually going to, after Dr. K leaves, I'm going to follow up on this discussion with my own relationship with waifu and all that stuff. So, but we got to say goodbye to Dr. K. So Thanks everyone, feel lot, free Tom. to say, say bye to Dr. K. Uh, go follow him. Exclamation mark DRK. He has a Twitch channel. He is fantastic. He's going to blow up and get, get in there now and say like, I, I knew this guy. I knew this guy before he blew up. So go check him out. Thank you for Thanks coming, lot, Dr. Tom. K. Yep, have a good one. All right, thank you. Take care. All right, bye. If this podcast earned it, please consider leaving a review on iTunes. We're new to the podcast space and we will be reading all the feedback. Also, if you like the content, follow us on twitch.tv slash Tomination Time and keep notifications on for when we go live. Feed your brain, feed your body, and we'll see you next time.